This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Before we start today, I'd like to take a moment and ask you to do something that I rarely ask you to do, or you only hear if you stick around till the very end of the podcast, which is, would you take a moment if you've been enjoying this podcast, perhaps you've been a listener for some time, or even if this is your first time, it would greatly help me and help get the word out about the podcast if you would take a moment and find one of the social media channels or all the social media channels and follow the podcast there. You can find us at facebook.com slash quotations pod. You can also find us on Twitter at quotations pod, Instagram at quotations podcast. Any of those would be great. And if you would, if you listen on Apple or Google or Spotify or any other platform, it would be great if you would take a moment and give us a rating there. If you'd like to write a review, I take the feedback and I appreciate it if you would take some time out of your day and do that to help grow the podcast audience. Now, here's today's quote. Quote, I can hit people, but in order to do that, you've got to tell me who to hit, and you've got to be prepared to run. Holes are only open for a moment. End quote. Now, a lot of you probably don't recognize that quote. This is one of those quotes that I heard in person, and as far as I know, it's not actually written anywhere. But this is a quote from the Assistant Secretary of the Navy, James Gertz, call sign Hondo. He is, as I mentioned, the Assistant Secretary of the Navy, specifically for research, development, and acquisition. Prior to that posting, which is a presidential appointment, he served in the Air Force and retired as a colonel, and then worked in U.S. Special Operations Command in acquisition. He attended Lehigh University in Pennsylvania, go Mountain Hawks, and as you know, I love a good quote about leadership, and Hearing this quote, I'm sure you heard this and said, what does that have to do with anything? That sounds like a that sounds like a lineman in a football game or a rugby player or something like that. What is this? What, what, why is Matt covering this in the podcast today? Well, with a little bit of context, I think you'll you'll see that it actually is a leadership quote. And as I mentioned, Gertz was a colonel in the Air Force. He served in many and varied levels of the acquisition community within the DOD, the Air Force, and specifically the Navy. And while he's a political appointee, his is not one of those political hook-up-a-buddy kind of appointments. Uh, Gertz really gets leadership. I've had the privilege of hearing him speak a couple of times, shaking his hand and interacting with him. And each time I hear him speak, it's clear that not he, he does the job not because there are political brownie points to be had or some next level position that he's in pursuit of, but because he really cares about the people downstream who get or don't get the equipment and research that they need at the operator level, or as we would call it, the end user level. And so I'm going to read the quote one more time. It's brief but I think it is worth repeating again. 
And think about this not from the perspective of a football player or a rugby player or or anything like that. Think of this, think of how this might pertain to leadership. And then I'll dive into it a little bit more deeply after I read it. So here's the quote from James Hondo Gertz one more time. Quote, I can hit people, but in order to do that, you've got to tell me who to hit. And you've got to be prepared to run. Holes are only open for a moment. End quote. And a brief aside on leadership following that is, you know, many mistake leadership for being the boss, right? That's how we refer to most of the people. Sometimes it is in the, the playful kind way. Other times it's a pejorative to say, oh, yeah, the person's the boss. But a lot of times we mean it in a, in a, in a quasi-affectionate way. And don't get me wrong, Gertz is very much the boss of thousands of employees. And he has a reach that touches thousands more, arguably the entire Navy and then some, because not only does the Assistant Secretary of the Navy for Research, Development, and Acquisition do acquisitions for the Navy, but because the Marine Corps is a department of the Navy, also is responsible for that work there. And for those that don't know, a lot of times when the branches do research and development, other branches who did not participate directly in that research and development find a benefit from that. The Marine Corps regularly purchases equipment that the Army researched and developed through their acquisition pipeline. So too with the Navy and the Air Force and, and others. So his reach is broad. He certainly is, quote, the boss, wears a shirt and tie to work and sits in high-level meetings, talks about multi-million and billion-dollar contracts on the regular. So a lot of things to be, quote, in charge of. But that being said, we all know people who are the boss aren't always good leaders. There is a very distinct difference, and this is what I'm trying to call out here. There is a difference between being the boss and being a leader. And leaders do a lot more than just boss people around. You can go read books and seminars and blog posts and lists galore that give all kinds of attributes about what good leaders do. And people make serious cash off their list via speeches and seminars, etc. And I'm not trying to take away from any of that. There's, there is value to be had there. As I've said before with my airport read type books of the top five things leaders do and the seven things to do this or that or what have you, people make a lot of money off of those books. And there's a lot of work that goes into them. And there are nuggets in a lot of those things. But what I don't see a lot of writing about, and I think it is actually one of the most under-practiced and also unrecognized but critical attributes of a leader is the ability to provide what I call top cover. And that's not a unique term that I've developed. Top cover is a military term. If you can imagine a battlefield, imagine troops on the ground conducting operations, whether that is combat operations or rescue operations or evacuations or whatever comes to your mind when we talk about troops on the ground. Aircraft are always associated with ground troop movements. And ever since the introduction of airplanes in the early 20th century, there's been a place for airplanes in the battle space. And troops on the ground greatly appreciate having those, those planes overhead. The purpose of most of those aircraft is to deny the enemy influence on those ground troops, whether that is through direct combat engagement or visual or audible deterrence. What do I mean by that? Well, if you are, if you've ever heard a helicopter fly overhead or you've ever heard a jet scream by at a low altitude, you know that it, it catches your attention. And if you were an enemy 
uh, combatant who meant harm to a, ser- a group of troops on the ground, a group of friendly troops on the ground, hearing or seeing a an aircraft overhead might change your mind on whether you want to engage in in your original plan or not. So those aircraft flying overhead allow the troops to do what they're best at, basically to conduct those ground operations that need to be done. So they are providing cover for those troops from above. So we call that top cover. So that's where the term comes from. Leaders do this too. Good leaders do this all the time. Good leaders provide top cover to their subordinates by running interference, by engaging with customers and other stakeholders and other people who wish to have influence, sometimes good, sometimes bad, on the people who work for them. And they do this by a variety of means. They do it by engaging via email in a in an email chain direct to a subordinate. They'll interject themselves into that and deflect that attention away from the person who's doing the individual contributions or the team that is working on something to free them up to do what only they can do with their unique skill set. Good leaders do this. And this is what Gertz is talking about in this quote, right? When he talks about he can hit people, he doesn't mean punch people in the face. I mean, he, he can in the figurative sense of the word in his, in his role. Certainly if the assistant secretary of the Navy comes and knocking on your door and, uh, and, and gives you a figurative punch in the face, it, it means something. But what he's talking about, he's he's making an analogy to football, American football specifically. And as I mentioned, this sounds like something a lineman would say. Well, it is. If you've ever seen or go and look at the photo, uh, the photos of Secretary Gertz, he's a big man. He is, and not big in the sense of being overweight. He's he's a big, stocky, football player-looking kind of individual, and he has an imposing presence. And what he's saying here is that he can offer top cover on demand, right? He he says, I can hit people, but in order to do that, you've got to tell me who to hit. So this is the quarterback. If you're the quarterback, if you're the individual contributor trying to do something on a team, and you want to keep other people who wish to influence or deny you the ability to do that work at bay, you put a lineman in front of you. You put a big guy with broad shoulders, strong legs and arms in front of you, and you point at the person who you want them to block and they block that person. They push that person out of the way. They engage as a leader to get out in front of things and push aside those who would wish to influence or deny you the ability to do your work. And what Gertz is saying in this is he can do that, but two things in order to do that. So it's conditional. I can hit people. I have a lot of weight. I have a lot of sway. I'm a presidential appointee at the very top of an organization at or near the top of an organization. I have a lot of responsibility, a lot of influence, a lot of power. I am willing to yield, or excuse me, to wield that power when directed appropriately. So tell me who it is you need me to engage with. Somebody standing in your way of getting something done, explain to me what you're trying to do and who that person is, I'll take care of that. But then the other piece of it is a a note to his followers. So this is Gertz talking to subordinates, of which I was one for a time, talking to all of us and saying, I can be a top cover type leader. I will give you top cover as a leader. You have to tell me who you want me to intervene with. And you, the subordinate, you, the quarterback, you, the running back, you, the whoever, have to be ready to run. Because when I make you a whole, when I run into that person, when I exercise my influence and my power as a leader to maximum effect, I can't hold that hole open forever. Because much like the game of football or rugby, whichever you prefer, Opportunity is fleeting. 
your ability to run through that hole at the right place, the right time, at the right velocity is key to that top cover being effective. Those ground troops are given a certain amount of time on the ground on which an aircraft can be there. There's only so much fuel. There's only so much ammunition. Those ground troops have a certain amount of time to execute what they need to. If they can't do it in that time, that top cover becomes ineffective in much the same way. Even if you know who Hondo needs to hit and you point him in that direction and he hits that person, but you're not ready to execute, that top cover, that hit, that hole doesn't mean anything. It's a wasted opportunity. So this is a this is a, a, a fantastic example of leadership because leadership, good leadership requires good followership too. Gertz is giving you the tool. He's saying, I am the tool. I am the person who can make this influence on your behalf, on call, on demand, at the appointed place and time. But you, the subordinate, you, the follower, have to be ready to do your part to make this happen as well. And that means that when I hit somebody and I make that hole and I open up a space for you to make a movement, to make a cut, to run downfield, you have to be ready to run. And top cover is not particularly glamorous, right? It's not a thing that that people get awarded for. You never hear somebody say, you know, James is retiring after 25 years of service to the Navy and did a great job of pushing people out of the way so his subordinates could do their jobs. You, you just don't hear those things in retirements or formal awards or, or things like that. But it's something that only that leader can do, right? Because if I could push people out of my own way, that'd be great. I can be my own I can be my own lineman and running back and quarterback all at once. Well, there's a reason those are three separate people. There's a reason those are separate positions. Because it, it takes a team to do these things. And he certainly has more weight and respect and positional authority than I do. He recognizes here that there are going to be many and varied stakeholders in any work that anybody does. It doesn't matter what you do for a job. There are people who are interested. Well, in in project management parlance, we call them stakeholders. They are people who hold stake in what is happening. And there are there's an, a neat little graph that you can see in the program management community that talks about, or project management community, that talks about level of interest and level of influence. And you can imagine this as a as a four-quadrant type of chart. And there are people who, in one quadrant, have very low level of interest and very low influence. Those are people that can almost be ignored, not completely. Then you have people that are very interested, but yield, but wield very little influence. So people you might want to keep informed, but not people you have to alter course for because they don't have a lot of influence over what happens. In another quadrant, you have people that are not particularly interested, but they have a lot of influence. So when they become interested, they can do a lot to alter the trajectory of the work that you're doing. And the final quadrant, the one that requires the most attention, are the people who are very interested and have a lot of influence. Those are the people that can alter the course of your effort and your work and are very are interested enough to be paying attention closely enough to do so. Those are the people who you could make an argument Gertz is talking about when he says, I can hit people. I can. You point me in the direction of that person who has high interest, high influence, and tell me why they're in the way and you, they need to be moved. And I will move them, and then you run. You run through that hole, you make a gain, you make progress, you make forward progress, and then we reset and we do it again if we have to. And these people can be, these stakeholders, these high-influence, high-interest stakeholders can be a significant distraction from the work. 
They can detract from your effectiveness and efficiency in getting things done, even if they are well-intentioned. Because a lot of times people are not out to undermine other people's work. It does happen. There are conflicting interests and groups will try to maneuver to cut off other people, whether it be for funding or influence or notoriety, what have you. But a lot of times it's just well-intentioned. It's somebody who's very interested, who wants you to generate a special report, have a special meeting, do a special task just for them. That takes away from the overall effort. It's not overall a contributor to the work that is, is being done. It's well-intentioned. It's meant to inform. It's meant to satisfy a desire and interest, but it can be very distracting. So good leaders like Gertz know this and they run interference. They take that person, put their arm around their shoulder and turn them in another direction so that you can keep going to do what you need to do. So I have an example of this from when I was a young lieutenant in the Marine Corps in Okinawa. I was in charge of a construction platoon and a construction platoon has does exactly what it sounds like. It is a, a number of Marines who are trained in how to build things. We did a lot of what we call vertical construction. So that would be buildings and structures in support of operations for Marines. And we have a lot of woodworking capabilities. Think an, a, a formal wood shop, but a wood shop that can be picked up and moved anywhere around the world for whatever the contingency might be. Well, we aren't obviously building structures all the time. So this equipment is there, and the word construction and piles of wood outside the shop tend to bring a certain level of interest from people. So these are people who are generally low influence, but high interest. So these are people who say, hey, pile of wood outside. Hey, wood shop. Hey, a bunch of Marines. Wouldn't it be great? I've got a buddy or I've got a Marine who is leaving my unit. I'd love to get a going away gift made for them. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a shadow box or maybe it's a plaque or maybe it's um, a gear tree for them to hang their gear on when it's in their office or some such thing. I've seen it all. Hey, let me see if I can get these Marines to do that for me. High interest, low influence, and people come up with a variety of ways to make this happen. And as a lieutenant, I saw this and I saw my Marines being distracted from the other things that they need to do because when we aren't building structures, those Marines have plenty of work to do. Ask a combat engineer and they will tell you that they are busy no matter what is going on. There's a ton of things that they're responsible for, both related to their job and just related to their responsibilities as a Marine in general. What they didn't need was a constant stream of plaques and gear trees and shadow boxes that they needed to be building for other people's going away. So my job as a leader that I identified was that there were high interest, low influence stakeholders that I needed to run interference with on behalf of my platoon. In order to free up my Marines to do what they needed to do, I needed to run interference. So we put in place policies. Hey, don't walk into the shop and talk to my Marines directly. Don't just grab a Marine and ask them to make you a plaque. We told the Marines this too. Direct them upstairs. Send them to me. They can talk to me. And that alone cut down on the number of people because all of a sudden it wasn't just, hey, grab a Marine and tell them to do something. It was, oh, now I have to go talk to the lieutenant. Okay. And then it grew even beyond that because there were interested stakeholders that even I couldn't influence. It grew and it needed to become something that was taken care of at the next level up the chain. So we worked with that next level up the chain to provide further inter interference, to create a bigger hole, to hit larger targets. Um, again, to keep the Marines focused on the work that they needed to do. And the key point there is not, well done, Matt, way to go. What a great job you did. That's not the point. The point is that in order to execute effective top cover, you have to know your people, 
meaning you have to know what it is they need to be doing and what people are trying to influence. And you have to know the stakeholders. You have to know the people who are interested and have influence over the work that your Marines do. Now, that doesn't mean that every time somebody came with a plaque or a gear tree or a shadow box request, we won and the Marines didn't have to do it. That wasn't the point. The point was to keep the, to minimize the arbitrary convenience-based influence that some stakeholders could have over the work of the Marines. So the key for me and the key for Gertz and the key for any of you out there as leaders is to intervene appropriately to free your people to do what only they can do. I'll say that again, is to intervene appropriately to free your people to do what only they can do. So you have to know what it is that your people can do and that only they can do. And then it's to intervene appropriately and in a way that minimizes the influence on those Marines while also not necessarily destroying a relationship with one of those stakeholders. That high-interest, low-influence stakeholder could one day become a high-interest, high-influence stakeholder. So you don't need to be brash or rude or inconsiderate, but you do need to intervene to prevent them from running roughshod over your subordinates. So that's the takeaway from today's quote. I really like Secretary Gertz. I think he's a fantastic leader. He's somebody who is very personable, approachable, and he he does great things for those he works for. And for him to get up in front of a group of his subordinates and say something like this says that he's not just focused on keeping his bosses happy. He's focused on being a leader. So today, as we close, ask yourself, what position of leadership are you in? Or what position of leadership do you wish could exercise top cover on your behalf? And can you, yourself, or can you ask somebody to run interference for you? As Gertz would say, to make a hole. And then be prepared to run through it or ensure that whomever you're making a hole for is ready to run through it. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotations pod. I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, and thanks as always for listening.